0: It's time to present Scott Dupont to bring you another episode of Finance Your Movie with tips and strategies to help you get your money to tell your story. It's time! Okay, I am thrilled to have once again back on the show Rick Pamplin, a critically acclaimed writer, director, producer, and Rick, I think you've been in the business fifty years or more. Yeah, if
1: if, if you start my very beginning of my career, I started when uh, when I got hired as a film critic on a weekly newspaper in Michigan, and uh, I wrote a review unsolicited of the Heartbreak Kid, the original one, and I and I mailed it to a uh, uh, a newspaper, a weekly newspaper, and they published it. They didn't call me. They didn't, You know, they just published. And then they called and said, can you do more? So I I sent them a few more. They published them and somebody said to me, hey, you're supposed to get paid for this. (laughs) And I went, oh yeah. So I called up the editor and she took me to lunch and hired me as the film critic of this weekly newspaper. Then I became the arts director because they started a whole little supplement section on the arts. And then um, I actually did a big story on a CBS television station that was opening in Michigan They covered Flint, Saginaw, Bay City and Midland. And then they hired me away to be an on the air reporter. But what was most appealing, not that I was on television every day or getting paid a lot more money, uh, because I thought being a film critic was the greatest job in the world. I got free movie tickets and every day I was supposed to go see another movie and file a review. And then I would do a little summary, you know, of like Rick's picks, the best films and all that stuff and um i thought it was the greatest job ever you know i i didn't realize how much money it took to live and all that kind of stuff so when i went to cbs they gave me a 16 millimeter camera and they said you have to take this everywhere you go in your car in your news car sleep with it learn this camera inside out and i would shoot this 16 millimeter film stock and then later they came out with the cp-16 which had a microphone and then I had a cameraman and a, and, a, and we had a mag strip on the film strip. But what I did was I learned filmmaking. And one of the interesting things, Scott, people always say, how do you get in the movie business? Well, any way you can, but you learn your craft. And years, many years later, I went to Hollywood. I was a, a production assistant for John Cassavetes on a film called Opening Night. And, you know, I would, you know, John would have me do this or do that. And I didn't, but, but one day he was trying to, of thread, you had to thread the film through the loop for this uh, Bolex camera, 16 millimeter hand, you know, camera. He was shooting a shot of Ben Gazzara in downtown Broadway in the middle of the night walking across the street in live traffic and John wanted to be the camera operator but he was having a problem loading the film and he says, do you know anything about this camera? (laughs) I said, I spent a year and a half of my life sleeping, living, driving I think I even took it to church with me anywhere I went that 16 mm and it paid off. And, and I was able to show John Cassavetes, you know, something about the camera and how the three lenses were. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was elevated up to this position of working with John Cassavetes on a film. So every little thing you learn leads to something great. And that's been my experience.
0: Yeah. Any, any way you can break in. So, um, Rick, I've heard some of your most incredible stories and uh, I would love to hear a lot of them tonight. But what I would suggest, because we got something really exciting to get to in just a second. If you want to hear some of Rick's amazing stories, check some of the past episodes we did. Uh, Rick was on the first season, episode six and seven, and then season four, episode 428, 14 or nine. Check that out. But today, if you are listening or watching this podcast right now, promise you, You will want to grab your iPad or your notebook right now to take some notes in just a a few seconds. Because Rick is going to break down how investors got points in a second, completely new and different movie for free. I don't think it's ever been done in in, in the history of the movie business. Um, Quick disclaimer, this poster you see behind me, Burt Reynolds, the last interview. I was one of the producers on the project. Uh, but Rick, you were the mastermind that made this project happen. So, um, I got to start. We're going to kind of take this section by section. I want to ask you, Rick, um, if I remember our distributor at the time, KDMG said, uh, I think they called us up today. Hey, um, can you ask Rick, the director to slap five or 10 minutes of, uh, extra Burt footage so we can have it on a a bonus for the DVD? And, That kind of set me off, and I think it kind of set you off. So you circled back, if I remember right, and pitched KDMG on expanding a five-minute bird interview all the way into a completely separate feature film, correct?
1: Yeah. um, I think it's a classic example sometimes that you can't see the forest because of the trees. And you and I had made another movie called Movie Money Confidential where you – who previously knew Burt Reynolds were able to get Burt Reynolds to agree to do an interview, which was in itself huge for the film. And uh, Burt had been ill, and we were shooting for five weeks. And the last day of the last week, Burt agreed to sit down and do a fifteen or twenty-minute interview about film financing. And we were all excited, and we went. Burt told us where he wanted to film it. And, all of the, no, no restrictions on what I asked, no editorial restrictions, just he wanted it to be at his school in Palm Beach. So we showed up and, you know, he had kind of a little stage where he would teach his classes, his master acting class. And it was funny because, you know, I'm a director and I've been doing this for a while. And, you know, I, I didn't like that banner and I wanted to move this and move that. and. The art director Maggie, uh, you know, was used to working for me, a DGA director, and so we're disassembling the entire Bert Reynolds, you know, little facade, yeah. and and the chairman of the school is running. Why what, what are you doing? You can't do that. And I said, I'm a DGA director. I can do whatever I want. And we rebuilt. And I remember when Bert came in, and you went and greeted him, and and he was, you were kind of walking him in your arm. And the first thing Bert said to me was like, huh. You redecorated. I like it. <laughs> so what happened was, you know, Burt Reynolds is Burt Reynolds. He's not gonna, you know he's not gonna answer any question he doesn't wanna. He's not gonna say anything he doesn't wanna. And you know, he had pretty much done anything and everything in the motion picture business you could do. So any question you ask him is a bit ridiculous. So you know, he wouldn't answer any questions about film financing. And I'd let him talk about something and he'd go off and, you know, deliverance or something else. And, you know, and then I'd kind of bring him back and I would try to stick in it. and he'd go, I don't know anything about that. Oh, I don't have anything to do with that. And I'm, you know, there's a part of me going, I I pursued Burt Reynolds my whole life. I wanted Burt Reynolds movie. I wanted to sit down with Burt, do something with what we talked about. It. I'd been on a set in Las Vegas. I had met him. He was he came over and wished me happy birthday at the at jetty restaurant. Um, you know he, he one of his friends owned it and he happened to be there on the night of my birthday. He was a very gracious guy. We talked about working together, but nothing ever came together. So I finally get this chance to interview Bert Reynolds. he has no interest in talking about film finance and I'm just trying to salvage it. So at about the fifteen minute mark I'm you know I'm glancing at my watch and I'm going hmm. I remember you you and
0: you and me both were like, oh, my God, we got like five minutes left.
1: I remember my favorite book is The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. And I remember there's a bit when when they're doing book reports and Holden's in school and this kid goes off on a tangent. And it's more interesting than the book. And he's telling the story and the teacher's scolding him. And I thought you know, I may never get another chance with Burt Reynolds. This is Burt effing Reynolds. Just let him talk. Eh, We'll just talk about whatever we want. So the 15 minute interview, the total was like an hour and 15 minutes.
0: Amazing, amazing.
1: And and, and at the end of it, you know, Burt waves me up, you know, to the chair where he's sitting. And you know, I've got three cameras, I've got a glider, I've got a lava on me. We've got all this equipment, lighting and a crew and all, you know, and I'm a, I'm not really agile. I'm kind of big and, you know, goofy. And so I, I kind of, you know, got out from Untangled and, and, and Bert said, lift me up, will you? And I lifted him up and he put his arms around me and he whispered in my ear and he said, kid, let's make some movies together. And it was like one of the greatest moments of my life. And he pointed to a chair, a black leather chair. And he said, "Uh, I have trouble walking. He said, Could you write something where I don't have to walk? I said, Sure. And then he pointed at this chair. He wanted me to help him. So I asked Maggie, who was right there, Maggie, could you come? And of course, you know, pretty woman, Bert always went nuts. So then, you know, Maggie and I are walking Bert over to his chair. And so I was writing treatment. Kind of a rear window meets Ironside type deal. I was writing a script for Bert, about a cop that got shot and was in a wheelchair, but was learning how to use the computer and looking at surveillance tapes, and realizing how he had been shot and double crossed. And it was a great, you know, I was so passionate. And that's when I got the call that he passed away. I was writing that script. And it was 16 days before you, Scott DuPont, had scheduled a rough cut screening for Bert to see the film, because Bert was very anxious to see the film. And and when he drove home with um, Todd, Todd, who was the president of his school, and sort of his manager, but not officially the manager, but Todd was with Bert everywhere for years. And uh, Bert said, what'd you think about that interview? And Todd said, well, I, I liked it. I've never heard you do an interview like that. And, and Bert said, yeah, I, I'm really anxious to see what they do with it. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I, and I think what happened in that roughly one hour, Bert just let it go. You know? he, talked about, he
0: talked about stuff I've never heard him talking about.
1: He talked about things that hurt him. He talked about movies. He talked about what every writer, director, producer, actor, filmmaker needs to know. He really laid it out there. And so I think we found about six minutes that we sort of squeezed in the Movie Money Confidential and said, okay, he's talking a little bit about fundraising, but not much. So after the film came out and was very successful, Movie Money Confidential, we got a call from the marketing department of our distributor, there, you know, we need more pictures and we need more BTS and do you have any more clips? and so I, we answered, I think, in an email. We've got about, you know, 55 minutes to an hour of unused Burt Reynolds material that no one's ever seen. And at the time, and I don't mean to be this, you know, condescending or, or get, placating you or patting you on the back unnecessarily, but you showed enormous character. And I was so proud to have worked with you because when the tabloids called, when people tried to exploit our footage, you and I were like, "No, Bert died. We have this footage. We don't want to exploit Bert. We don't want somebody else to cut it up into little pieces." It, it, I wanted people, if they ever saw it, <coughs> to see it in context.
0: Well, we all we all agreed on that. So, so the question as is, you, well, this, as this you is know,
1: we'll go, go ahead. This is so, kind
0: of this is kind of the pitch you made to uh, KDMG, right?
1: Well. Let me just back up one little second. So we had offers. People around Burt had offers, $50,000, $100,000. Anything Burt, anything Burt. You could sell it, make a lot of money. So I sat on this for about a year. So I said, they said, can you give us a little clip? So I called our editor, John. And I said, John, um, I need you to look at the Burt footage and we need to find like a little segment or something. He called me back and he goes, I went in to look at like, just to try to find like five minutes we could do something with. He goes, I sat through the whole thing from beginning to end. He said, "If you sat through it? And I said, not since we shot it. He said, Rick, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's Burt Reynolds at the end of his life talking about exactly what he wants to talk about and not being censored and not being edited. And he's angry, and he's happy, and he's emotional, and he gets a tear in his eye. And it's the real Burt Riddles that nobody's ever seen.
0: Yeah, it was an amazing, said, amazing interview. We've got
1: to do something with it. So I asked him if he could do just a rough assembly with the time code. And we shot it with three cameras, but just give me in real time. So he sent it to me. And Maggie and I watched it, who was also a producer with you on the other film. And it was stunning, stunning unbelievable. And uh, so we went to a screening that you had arranged, I think we're in West Palm Beach at the college. And while we were there, on another matter, our attorney called. And the one call you always take in a screening is if your attorney calls, because it's either really good or really bad news. And so it was something that was going on and we he had handled for us. And uh, so we pitched our attorney who had been the president of the IDA, the Independent Documentary Association, we've got this footage, we put an assembly together. Um, it really was incredible. And he said, I'd like to see it. So we sent it to him. And uh, he came back and said, this is amazing. It, 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 there's a movie here. So I spent a year trying to get people to talk to us. But before that, we, we called back the distributor and we said, there's really no BTS available on Burt, but there's another movie. And it's called Burt Reynolds, The Last Interview. And they said, oh, you mean like clips of Smoking the Bandit? I said, no, 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 none of that. We've got an hour of Burt Reynolds that no one's ever seen. And I want it to be unedited, unscripted and uncensored. Whatever Burt, it's pure Burt. But I want to go find out from the people around him? How did he end up in Florida? How did he end up not married or not with a girlfriend? How did he end up becoming passionate about some other things in his life? And who was this guy? Because the only person ever sold more movie tickets, more seats in the butts, as they put it, was John Wayne. The The three biggest movie stars in the history of cinema, even adjusted for inflation, et cetera, et cetera, or John Wayne, Burt Reynolds, and Tom Cruise. Well, John Wayne's passed away; and he's a bit of a controversial figure now. Burt had just passed away, and you know Tom Cruise is still going strong. And I thought, you know, this is this is fascinating stuff. And I love Burt, so I thought, well, I'll make this for Burt fans. And so everybody that I went to said, no, well, no. no. We're not going to talk about Bert. People Magazine just called and offered me $50,000 cash. I'm not talking about Bert. I went to lunch with one of his close associates, and he said, I'll never speak about Bert Reynolds publicly again the rest of my life. It hurts so bad. I ended up with an amazing group of people that we surround the interview who tell the real story of Burt Reynolds in Florida, the real person Burt Reynolds was, and, and his incredible state of mind. And the last point, Scott, because I know I'm long-winded, at the very end of the trail was this guy called Quentin Tarantino. At the very end of Bert's life, he established this relationship, this incredible relationship with this Academy Award-winning, you know, unbelievable filmmaker, you know, whose movies have made over a billion dollars at the box office, you know, international superstar. Quentin Tarantino and Burt Reynolds had this unique relationship. So we started pursuing Quentin. And when I say we, I mean you. And you got a hold of Quentin. And it was touch and go and touch and go. And we went ahead and raised the money, which we'll talk about in a second. We signed a contract and we had a delivery date with a distributor. And I'm old school. You have a contract and a delivery date, you better deliver the film. And we called up the distributor and they said, Well, just give us the film. If you don't get Quentin, that's okay. I think it was three days after I turned in the film and I got a wonderful letter from the distributor how much he liked the film. Quentin called you or one of his people and said, Ah, we'll do the interview now, but you have to do it two days from now. To hear the whatever. So we did the Quentin Tarantino interview, which also was amazing on its own. It's unbelievable. Because if you you like Quentin, you're going to love him. And if you love Quentin, you're going to go crazy. He he just lets it fly about Bert and how important Bert was in his life and all the details of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and how that all worked. And Bert coming to the table read with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. I mean, it's just like, it's unbelievable. And there's this whole secret chapter for the last month of Bert's life that nobody knew about. Never been talked about. And Quentin just gives... Gives us the whole thing and, and it's a suiting in because Bert wanted to go back. He wanted to make an A picture. He wanted to go out at a, at a higher level and he went to the table read and Quentin casting and it was an incredible ending to a story. So I said, and you said, what are we gonna do with the investors that funded the other film? Because it was their money that allowed us to shoot the bird interview.
0: So I I got to, I got to set the stage here. Um, and, and everyone, this is the point where you grab your iPad, you grab your pencil and paper because you're going to want to take notes. So, um, and then Rick, I'm going to let you kind of educate the audience, just like you enlightened me. How the hell are we going to do this? So here's the stage we had done movie money confidential where Bert had like a five minute segment along with Selma Hayek and a few other people. Um, we had done that for it. Was, it was a low budget documentary, under a million dollars. And all the investor shares of that first film were completely sold out. So we, we didn't have any extra shares we could sell investors. All the producer points were completely allocated, including a few vendors. We gave some money to the Burt, Red Sco- Burt Reynolds Scholarship Foundation. Then, what Rick's talking about, this new movie we're going to get into. We had no points to sell investors. We had no producer points to allocate to producers or partners, but yet, and Rick, you can get into how you, I don't know how you came up with this idea, but we had to fund these wraparound interviews on both the East and the West Coast. Plus we had tons and tons of legal bills to really get this cleared by both James Basidi and Michael Donaldson. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break You're gonna wanna come right back and Rick is gonna explain how he funded a brand new movie with no points to share.